Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kuninagel podcast series, Shipping Insights. I'm your host, Sarah Vollmer, Vice President of Global Sea Logistics Customer Engagement and Events at Kuninagel. You and I are about to embark on an exciting journey through the world of sea freight. I've been fortunate enough to have a front row seat to this industry's ups and downs over the past two decades. Now it's my pleasure to bring to you the latest developments, innovations, and solutions in this dynamic industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just curious about logistics, get ready for enlightening conversations and expert insights in our latest episode. Let's dive into the fascinating world of sea freight together and welcome our latest guest. And with me today, I have a very special guest, Horst Mueller, Global Head of Vinlog. Horst, how are you doing? Good, how are you, sir? Nice to see you and hello. Well, Horace, before we get into things, uh, you know, first off, would you mind introducing yourself here to our audience and finding out a little bit more about you? And then also this this thing called Vinlog that we've already mentioned a couple times and what, what that is? Sure. No problem, Sarah. So thanks, thanks very much for having me. So my name is Horst Mueller. I'm global head of Vinlog. Um, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm married to my wife, Wendy. We have two kids. Uh, currently, I live in France. Um, I've always been involved with um, the beverage slash wine industry. Um, I'm now 15 years with Kuhnenagel. And previously, uh, I worked for another company. Um, I've lived pretty much all over the world, starting in South Africa, California, uh, France, and Burgundy, um, in New York. And today, I was going to say, don't forget Paris. New York, because that's where you exactly. and I met the first time. <laughs> that's correct. Yes, yeah, so I spent 11 years in New York, so which was the first time I was not living in a, in a wine country, basically, where even wine is produced in, in New York as well. I was going to um, say, yeah. a Hudson River Valley, some people might get upset right now. They might call it, you Exactly. And, and not, not too bad. I mean, there, there are some very nice uh, wines being produced uh, in, in New York. Uh, uh, also in upstate New York is also the home of uh, a very large wine company, basically. And um, no, no, very, very good on the, uh, on the, on the East Coast. It's, it's up and coming. Um, and um, yeah, so now I'm, I'm heading Vinlog. We founded Vinlog in April 2019. And people will ask, what is Vinlog and why is it Vinlog? Uh, previously, we were called uh, Clean Drink Logistics. Uh, but we uh, felt that this was not the right name to go uh, to our key target audience, basically. And um, then we looked at at various other names and ultimately decided to go with Vinlog, which is a very catching name. Of course, uh, Lock for logistics, Vin, uh, clearly for wine, wine, vino, vin um, in French. Yeah, So uh, a very similar uh, sounding word in, in, in a lot of uh, languages. Um, and it's also the only alcohol that is seen as extremely sophisticated and it works for both men and women. So uh, that's why we decided Vinlog and we added Powered by Kühn and Nagel to it because we wanted to be sure that uh, we also know that we are, while we are on one hand representing a certain industry, we are also part of the larger Kühn and Nagel network and, and we're very proud to be part of Kühn and Nagel. And uh, so it's Vinlog Powered by Kühn and Nagel. That's um, how, how we uh, today uh, um, present ourselves. And uh, for us, it was very important that people uh, on one hand knew we are the specialists on a certain product, but we also have the big uh, Kühn and Nagel behind us. Okay. 
But then let me ask you this, because we, we, we love to talk about wine, right? But Vinlog is just not limited to wine, right? No, that's correct. So Vinlog also handles other products. Basically, um, we uh, handle beer, wine and spirits, our three key products, but we also handle um, non-alcoholic uh, beverages and associated products. So this is barrels, et cetera. Um, if you look at uh, uh, coconut water as an example, it's a, it's a, it's a very big uh, success in, uh, especially North America in the uh, US market where coconut water has appeared over the past five to five to 10 years, all of a sudden. Um, it's mm -hmm. a super uh, a good drink, basically very healthy. So we also handle this. So it's not limited to alcohol. We also handle uh, the healthy stuff, basically. So uh, um, and we handle quite a bit of, of uh, uh, juice concentrates and, and and other products, basically that that are related to to this industry. Okay, so really all encompassing from a beverage point of view, right? Yes, correct. Every, everything uh, from uh, uh, from wine uh, uh, to juices, everything basically. Okay. Uh, if 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 you drink it, we ship it. Oh, I like it. If you drink it, we ship it. I think that should be your new tagline. Yes. We you heard maybe, it here uh, first. Maybe you should think about this. You heard it first. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, good. So also, you know, on this, this kind of topic, well, not really, but um, let's talk a little bit about trends here in the industry as a whole. So what are some of the current trends within the beverage logistics industry that, that you can speak of from a Vinlog point of view? Yeah, I think, I think uh, there, there, there are many things that are happening. I, I, I would say if, uh, if we again then take uh, the four pillars that we were talking about, um, of course, so we start with the non-alcoholic uh, uh, drinks. Um, uh, co coconut water is only grown in certain parts of the world, so not everywhere uh, in the world. So, um, uh, and, um, and most of the soft drinks, etc., are produced uh, uh, domestically. Where then right. we have, of course, um, uh, let's say the, the the beer and the spirits industry, which has some some different uh, um, profiles. Um, beer, in 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 a lot of cases, is also produced locally, so only the ingredients, uh, hops and malts. Are imported and then it's brewed locally. Uh, spirits um, has uh, in certain areas we have uh, a geographical restrictions. In other areas, uh, you can produce uh, spirits. So we have seen uh, uh, the gin obviously great craze over the past uh, uh, couple of years, where gin is popping up everywhere, produced uh, all over the world essentially. Right. So this is uh, really uh, something that's happening. And then you have the wine, and the wine is extremely. Uh, um, yeah, I would say a product that there, there's no global wine company today. So wine is still associated with a certain country and the market for wine is also very much set essentially. And the consumer trends, if you were to ask me about this, mm -hmm. um, I think uh, pre-COVID, uh, uh, um, um, a lot of, of the wines were consumed um, in restaurants and uh, uh, while you were going out with friends, et cetera, uh, and now this has changed during COVID where this was more drinking at home. And now we're moving again to, uh, um, to also people going out. But of course, with, with everything that's going on in the world right now, um, we are seeing that uh, um, consumers are uh, spending differently when they buy alcohol. Okay. Okay, so spending differently. Can you touch on that a little bit here for me? Are they spending more? Are they spending less? 
Yeah, I think so. Dur during COVID, we have definitely seen an increase in consumer spending, um, uh, in in uh, uh, especially on the retail side of things, where people have bought uh, different wines and higher end products, so they were enjoying a better wine at home. Uh, now, uh, where with inflation and uh, uh, where money is getting tighter a little bit and, and increased costs everywhere. Um, I believe we are seeing a, a trend again more towards the uh, um, maybe the lower end of of, of the uh, spectrum, and this is something that that we can also see basically. When uh, uh, one thing is for sure, generally people always drink. When people have more money, they spend more. When people have less money, they they spend less, um, but they still drink, right? So uh, uh, I think it's uh, still uh, very nice to have a glass of wine with your uh, with your uh, dinner once in a while, and. Uh, uh, it's a nice thing to do. And, and so this is, uh, pe people will always drink, right? There's one thing people will always drink um, and uh, um, they will just change their spending patterns, I guess, will, will change um, a little bit. Okay. All right. So a lot of information there. So first off, you know, I think you had me at, at wine uh, when we started this conversation. Um, but, you know, to build a brand, you know, in the last couple of years has, has definitely not been an easy thing. So uh, well done here on that. And uh, and again, shout out to all of the Kunanago Vinlog colleagues here for all their tremendous support over the last few years. But let's talk about that. Um, I don't want to dwell on COVID. You know, I think we're all sick and tired of, of talking about that, hopefully, um, with that. But how was the beverage industry? I mean, I think we all knew it. You know, me, myself, you know, I think we ordered a bit more wine than maybe we normally would have during that time. So what have the last few years been like for you guys from, a, from an industry standpoint? From an industry standpoint, it's uh, quite, quite an interesting uh, development. And of course, yes, it's absolutely true that... Uh, uh, there's one thing about our uh, particular product that most people can associate themselves with the product, right? And they they, they know something about the product or they consume the product, right? Uh, um, and so so it's always a, a good conversation. It is definitely a people's business. Um, the wine still is very uh, on, on very much on a national level. So meaning uh, there are certain um, countries yeah, uh, that, that produce wine. Uh, our market is very much set. Uh, while we see now wines in... Uh, UK coming up and some sparkling wines so where there's a lot of investment. I don't think uh, UK is the next big uh, red wine producer uh, globally, right? So, uh, Oh, I don't know. I did see a show about this recently and, and talking about how some actually champagne houses were planting some, some vines in, in the UK, in the northern UK. But Yes, that's correct. And there's a lot of money going into it and, and it's not bad, <laughs> right? So uh, yeah. uh, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a matter of semantics, but I think uh, I'd rather go for a champagne champagne than for uk champagne but that's uh, that's me personally right so uh, fair enough um, but no <laughs> so 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 talking about this so so the wine industry of course is uh, is driven by um, in certain countries very large uh, producers uh, that, that are representing essentially mm -hmm. brands within uh, a range of brands within their countries um, and they, these are then exported um, our market is very much set we have uh, essentially um, the, the northern hemisphere and the, and the old world wine countries, which is uh, um, France, Italy and Spain as the three dominant ones with, with Germany, Austria, Greece, etc. Every country has a, has a little bit uh, of wine production. And then we have California as the first new world wine country. And then we have uh, uh, Chile, Argentina, South Africa, Australia and New Zealand. These are the key markets basically for wine um, that, that, that everybody kind of knows. 
Um, and then you go into the more uh, exotic countries like Uruguay, uh, uh, you have wines from uh, Northern Africa, uh, uh, other places. Uh, you have wines in China as well that, mm -hmm. that uh, are, are very nicely uh, produced and also, again, a lot of money putting into this. So, uh, But the, the key markets and our key market is set for, for those uh, areas. Okay. And, um, Yeah, so this this is really where we are also focusing on our uh, um, yeah our focus in terms of business development and in terms of our customers. So especially with with some of those countries that you just named and some of them being let's as you said what, a bit newer players here with Edit. What what are some of the challenges that they experience in terms of of shipping or exporting their wine? Um, I think. What COVID has taught us, um, and, and this was for the very first time this happened, uh, we had certain countries that actually um, banned production and uh, distribution of alcohol. And, and we never had this before. So uh, oh. uh, Mexico, Thailand are two countries uh, where, where this was the case. And, and for us, uh, South Africa is, is the country that, that comes to mind where uh, they had in the hard lockdown, they did not allow any alcohol sales and any transport of alcohol. So this hurt uh, the South African wine industry quite a bit and they had, they had a lot of wine uh, that, that they could not sell and could not uh, um, actually uh, They could harvest it, but it was in, in the tail end of the harvest. So there were still some uh, grapes on, on, on the vines, um, and, and they had a problem with this. Um, and, and this is COVID uh, we, well, for the very first time that, that we have seen this. And, of course, um, if you then look at uh, uh, what has been the impact in the, in the large uh, consumption countries in terms of um, In terms of wine, this is clearly that uh, a lot of restaurants were closed, right? And a lot of uh, um, countries uh, imposed uh, restrictions in terms of opening hours, etc., lockdown. Um, and, and this has hit the uh, what we call the on-trade, so uh, business, basically, um, where then people went out and um, bought more uh, wines uh, in supermarkets and in other uh, areas. So it was quite interesting, Um We had uh, been during during the lockdown. We had a, a, a meeting where they looked at uh, the period of uh, um, August to August, basically. So August uh, um, from 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 the hard lockdown to to the following August. And um, one thing that happened is that the um, and, and this is Germany in particular. So in Germany, we have some very good data about this. Um, one thing that has happened is that shopping used to be a very pleasant experience and, and, and people would go out where shopping then became a necessity, right? And people would only go to one store and they would just buy whatever is available at the store. So this has pushed up the average retail price of, of wine in Germany uh, by almost uh, 20%, yeah, which is still one of the lowest in, yes, which is still one of the lowest in the world. Um, but uh, it had pushed it up and uh, champagne sales, interestingly enough, also increased basically. So people were drinking better um, and, and this is usually... Uh, Um, not the case uh, in, in such times, but because people could not go out, uh, they bought uh, more or higher price products. Okay. All right. So let's stay on that for a second. So just talking about consumer behavior, right? So you just mentioned that, you know, the prices, the, the average selling prices were up in Germany. Do you see that as a trend across the board within the drinks industry? Um, I think now um, with what's happening at the moment, uh, the, the tables have turned a little bit and uh, now I believe what, what we are seeing and, and we are now have some numbers again for the first uh, Uh, in some countries only for the first quarter and in other countries already for the first whole month. And we see that consumer spending is going down because especially mm -hmm. wine is considered a luxury good. 
Um, and of course, uh, wine is, is something that, that is not a necessity for everybody, right? So uh, uh, this is one of the first things uh, I actually, funnily enough, had a, a conversation with one of our big German uh, customers today. And uh, he said, uh, if, if you look at the trends in Germany, uh, now the focus for most people is to save up money to go on vacation, right? Because ah. a lot of people have not been on vacation for a long time. And rather than going out, they save money and they go on a nice vacation right. during the summer. So uh, this has uh, changed uh, um, a little bit uh, uh, the, the consumer spending. Um, and prices, of course, also have gone up uh, for, for wine, um, which is linked to, to many factors. Uh, and, and we always look only... Um, of course, at, at, at the logistics side of things, but if you look at uh, uh, bottles, at uh, dry goods, so at labels, cartons, etc., the prices have gone up and, and the price of wine has increased. Okay. So I think a little bit, you know, but we're all living in these days, right, in terms of inflation and everything getting a little bit more expensive. Um, it, it really is a, a global thing here. And no matter the product or the commodity or the beverage, that you were choosing, we're all going to be uh, impacted here by these rising costs. So let me ask you this, Horace. So as you mentioned the packaging, right, um, briefly, are there opportunities to drive sustainable or sustainability, excuse me, with, within the industry? I mean, how do, how do you do that? Um, yes, there, there, there are definitely uh, several initiatives. So we have seen uh, in, in certain areas, and, and again, we have to differentiate between what I would call uh, uh, mass-produced products and obviously very artisanal products. So if you look at the tip of the iceberg, uh, of course, nobody uh, um, will buy a, a very, very expensive wine um, and that is shipped in a, in, a, in, a, in a flexi tank or something on in a big uh, plastic bag, basically. Right. So there is a cachet to it that this is estate bottled, meaning it's bottled on site at the winery. Uh, it's also on the label. Uh, as the mass product, yes, there is. Uh, there are initiatives, and we have seen this over the past probably 10 years, uh, where flexi tanks have uh, become a, a very big part of our business. And this means uh, you're shipping wine uh, in bulk in a 20-foot in a container in a big uh, con plastic bag, essentially, right? So in a big uh, bladder. Um, to destination and is bottled at destination. What does this do from a from a perspective of uh, um, uh, for for the environment? Um, you don't have to import glass, so you can use uh, glass that's domestically produced, um, and and the wine does not necessarily lose in its quality, and it becomes uh, uh, cheaper to transport it and and more sustainable in terms of production. Okay. Interesting. I mean, it, I, I just have this visual of box wine, and now thinking box wine and uh, flexi tanks here. It's it's a it's a whole new meaning to to that kind of stuff. But okay, so there's definitely opportunities and people looking to you know to I guess nearshore in some ways, right? With being able to buy some of the raw materials locally um, in order to you know produce and package their wines or spirits or beverages of choice, I should say. Yes, correct. And, and, and of course, again, I mean, there, there are certain restrictions in terms of uh, what you can call certain things, right? So, so of course, uh, um, a product from California is then still a wine of USA or origin USA, uh, but you put on it that it was bottled in another country. Vice versa, you can do the same in, uh, in, in, in the US for a wine that it was imported from, uh, from another country and, and, and you put this on, uh, on the label. Where then if you look at champagne or cognac, uh, uh, to name two products that are, that are very much regulated and everybody knows, 
uh, true champagne can only come from France, only from the Champagne region, and the cognac can only come from cognac, and again from France, right? So, so there are regulations, and not everything is uh, uh, is being able to be mass produced. Okay. All right. So I think, you know, we're, we're running out of time, but before we go, I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about the crystal ball. So what is it that you are seeing from the beverage industry? What does the future look like, um, especially with the logistics point of view? What's going to happen here in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think, I think if you really look at, at, at what's going to happen is I think the direct to consumer shipping um, is something that is uh, uh, on everybody's mind so that people want to sell directly to the consumer. So a lot of companies are really uh, looking at this and uh, uh, e-commerce, of course, is, is, is a big thing. Um, and um, uh, then, of course, wine is one thing. It's, it's an agricultural product, so it uh, is dependent on sun, water, and, and, and other things, right? And uh, so, so the environment there is also uh, quite important. So I believe um, if you look at it, wine will never go away, uh, but I think the, the, the consumer patterns will, will slightly change. Yeah? And um, it's, uh, uh, it's supply and demand at the end of the day. Um, and, and I believe that the... Um, the, the industry will not change significantly in terms of where wine is produced, um, but maybe uh, the patterns will change yeah? so that, that, that people will drink more locally produced uh, uh, products and, and ship over shorter distances um, and that some of the wine uh, will be consumed differently. We always have to consider with wine, and this is maybe to close it off, uh, uh, um, the Domestic market in most countries is by far bigger than the export market. So most of the wine that's produced in country is also consumed domestically. So uh, the export is, is is a piece of it that will never go away. And and there's always uh, you know uh, uh, it's great to sit with friends uh, and have a wine from California and, and think maybe about vacations or go to South Africa or Argentina, right? And and really have this uh, uh, um, kind of feeling that that you are there, right? When when you when you do uh, something at home and uh, or you go to a restaurant. And so so this will never go away. Um, but uh, I believe there will be changes in the consumer spending at the end. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here first from Horst Mueller, our global head of Vinlog. So Horst, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate it. I hope I hope our conversation wasn't too painful for you. No, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I hope uh, I gave a little bit of, of insight to to what we are doing. Um, of course, it's a fun thing to talk about wine and and, and wine, and, and, and we always tend to go to the wine direction, not to talk about beer. There would be a, uh, we would probably or, or spirits, or even uh, uh, I find it amazing to talk about coconut water, right? So, uh, uh, which is a super interesting product, but uh, maybe we can do this next time. I oh yes I I think there's a sequel coming up here so I think that would be lovely so thank you again for your time and to thank you everyone out there for tuning in to our podcast series Kunanagel's Shipping Insights Sea Freight News and Supply Chain Solutions be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and to find out when our next episode will drop thanks again. Mm-hmm.